0: Hi, I'm Amy Thompson, the Dean of Enrollment at Loomis Chafee, and this is Genuine Admissions, a podcast series where I have the opportunity to speak with members all across the Loomis community. Today, we are welcoming a special guest to Genuine Admissions, our head of school, Dr. Sheila Colbert. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Sheila and to hear from her about her views on education, her hopes and dreams for the upcoming school year. Sheila, welcome to Genuine Admissions. Well, thank you, Amy, it's a pleasure to be here. So before we begin, I just wanted to let our audience know that there are many ways to learn about you and many ways to connect with you, whether uh, whether on the leadership or the journeys pages of the Loomis website, you talk quite a bit about uh, your vision for the school, and of course, they can follow you on Instagram or Twitter um, with your many bird photographs, which get a lot of traction on social media. I know everyone loves uh, loves your your photography. But today, we are really here to focus in, I think, on a couple of themes in our conversation as we kick off the... academic year. It's a very different uh, year in many ways. Some things feel very much the same and some things are certainly a little bit different coming off of last year. And so I wanted to start today with um, talking a little bit about the opening convocation. We just had that last week. We've been in school for about a week now. And, you know, I know that you and I feel similarly in that it's always, you know, the first day of school, best day of the year, or certainly one of the best days of the year. We really love the kickoff of the school year and this year in particular, having the whole community together and joining together after this time in which we have been apart through covid and what you were touching on a few themes in that convocation certainly building community and we'll talk about that today um but one of the things that i thought was really interesting was the remarks that you made regarding just the role of education in young people's lives, the responsibility of schools, in educating engaged citizens, and and, um, and critical thinking. And so I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just touching on a couple of the themes that you were talking about as a way to just get us started. Great, uh,
1: absolutely. So it, it, is my, it is one of my favorite days of the year because uh, at the beginning of a school year, everybody is so excited they there's a sense of possibility there's an, a sense that anything is possible mm-hmm. it's often a time when when students they look forward to the year they look forward to their new courses and they think gosh um, I'm really going to do well in this or I'm looking forward to this class or they they, they, they start thinking about well what are the habits uh, that I need to put into place so that I can be really successful and so you have that that energy the the, the sense a, as I said of possibility of, of um, opportunity and uh, I think it's a it, it's it is a it provides a wonderful energy to the to the campus uh, one of the things that I always talk about in my opening convocations is to really stress to students that we're not here to simply provide them with a set of facts we're mm-hmm. not here to to sort of fill them up if you like with, with the received wisdom mm-hmm. the one of the things that that schools do is to try to encourage our students to think for themselves and I think in this day and age that is particularly important it's really 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 important that students understand where their values are what do they believe in and that it's our job to help them come to some understanding of those things so absolutely what the one of the things that I talked about in my convocation was that there are there are facts and and things that people need to know, and Mm -hmm. so I use the example of the periodic table, Mm -hmm. um, that if you're really going to get into chemistry or physics, you actually, you do need to just do the basic learning of the facts of Mm -hmm. the elements that are in that table and why it's set up in the way that it is and what the numbers mean and uh, how they all relate to one another and that that then gives you the language, if you like, the alphabet to really unpack chemistry at a deeper level. But that's true of any discipline if you're really going to delve into American history or or literature you need to know the content Mm -hmm. but then what do you do with that how Mm -hmm. do you take that to make your arguments Mm -hmm. to to really understand the world Mm -hmm. Um, and so what I, I, do you want me to give you the example of the cockatoo? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I think that would be great
1: <laughs> because I, I mean I t- I told the story. It was in the New Yorker. Uh, there was a wonderful article this summer about where did that cockatoo come from, uh, and it was a. a, a Australian academic, uh, an art historian who was looking at a, an altarpiece from the 15th century and she noticed in that painting a cockatoo which only could have come from Australasia. But it was by asking that question and really delving into that that she uh, sort of gave us some new insights into how globalization worked Mm -hmm. and how global networks, trading networks, worked in the 15th century, and that, in fact, they were far more extensive than had previously been understood. And so Mm -hmm. that was a new insight that came out of a question, but it came after an awful lot of understanding and research that she had done. So so that's what we're trying to do with our students. Mm -hmm. We're trying to introduce them to these academic conversations. We're trying to get them to think about, uh, to ask new questions and and to uh, really push themselves uh, to be more innovative.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the word conversation, and and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, how that dialogue is fostered at Loomis and how we're trying to educate students to have in our whole community in terms of productive conversations around uh, intellectual issues. Um, I think that coming off of this past year in particular, when we're talking about building community, uh, communities, you know, can be built in many different ways. And uh, dialogue certainly is a huge part of what we talk about in a 24-7 community like ours in a diverse community with people from all over the world. Well, it's one of the real strengths of coming to a boarding school like Loomis is that you do have
1: students from all over the world, all over the country, uh, and uh, come from from multiple different backgrounds with multiple different experiences and with multiple different beliefs, uh, belief systems, uh, understandings of how the world works. And so you pull all of these people together and somehow we have to all be able to get along. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we do, we put a heavy, heavy emphasis on uh, civil discourse, Mm -hmm. if you like. And Mm -hmm. and we practice that through the classroom, but it's something that gets practiced across the whole community. How do you respectfully disagree with somebody? Mm -hmm. We can, it's sort of easy to think in terms of uh, different sports teams, if you like, that that you might support the Patriots and I might support the, um, what, the Yankees? No, that that would be different sports. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so, uh, but anyway. Um- and you can sort of argue the merits the the the, the um, pluses and minuses of that and we have to be able to take that ability to disagree about the simple things the easy things mm-hmm. the 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 things that don't carry as much mm-hmm. weight mm-hmm. And we have to be able to take those examples and use them for those sorts of issues that actually are fraught that are very very difficult uh, and that um, can really destroy communities and we've seen that we're living in a particularly divisive moment, I think, in our history. And and so it's very, very important that we learn how to disagree, but we also learn how to have constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. And then out of that dialogue that we hope takes place, that we can move to a position of consensus, that we can agree on a set of values, that we can agree on... Uh, a way that this community can actually work together uh, and uh, be constructive, productive. And that's one of, I think, one of the critical skills that we try to encourage in our students. It's okay to be democratic or republican or libertarian. Uh, We have international students who come from all sorts Mm -hmm. of different political backgrounds Mm -hmm. uh, and it's fine. But how do they talk about that? Mm-hmm. That it has to be that you can have a conversation with somebody who has a completely different political viewpoint than, than yourself, and you can do that in a, um, in a way that is productive and constructive. And, and I think that that is uh, it's a skill that is critically needed in
0: our society mm-hmm. today. Absolutely. And I think that that is definitely a hallmark of our community here and also the the mission and the values of the school from, from its founding. Uh, right, absolutely. Engaged citizenship. So when we talk about community, one of the themes, of course, is the diversity of our community. And one of the exciting developments this year at the school is uh, related to our work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the center and some of the work that's been done and is going to continue to be done in this area?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's a great question because diversity, equity, and inclusion has long been Uh, uh, important to the school. And in fact, I think you can go all the way back to the founders uh, when they said there should be no political tests, no religious tests, Mm -hmm. when they wanted boys and girls and they wanted people from all around the world. Mm -hmm. So it is a hallmark of uh, a Loomis experience, Loomis education. So we did this summer decide to take what had been an office of diversity, equity and inclusion and to turn it into a center. Mm -hmm. We've got a number of different centers on campus, including the Norton Center, Uh, And the Norton Center really focuses on that idea of civil engagement, civil Mm -hmm. discourse. Mm -hmm. We have the Albert Center that really talks a little bit about global and environmental sustainability. Mm -hmm. And they are very student-focused. We have the uh, purse hub for innovation, Mm -hmm. and they're very student-focused. And so by making our work around diversity, equity, and inclusion into a center, it made it... Uh, It really put the student-centeredness of that Mm -hmm. right up front Mm -hmm. and made it very intentional that this is about trying to build here a community that is respectful of the the many, many differences that we see on this campus. And having a group of people whose mission it is to really encourage those kinds of conversations on campus and to encourage the sort of uh, respectful dialogue uh, that that we need. And to support students from whatever backgrounds that Mm -hmm. they come from to make sure that this uh, school serves their needs, Mm -hmm. serves their interests, Mm -hmm. and that they have a place also to go. And so we have a new director. Um, Ashley Augustine. I Mm -hmm. hope that you'll uh, perhaps include Mm -hmm. her on Mm -hmm. the podcast at some point. And we've dedicated a number of different people to the the group. And I'm really looking forward to the work that they're going to be doing, the speakers that they bring in, but also working with our different affinity groups, working with our dorm faculty, students in the dormitories, uh, students through the Norton Center. Uh, with faculty through mm-hmm. their classrooms to make sure that these conversations about diversity are happening mm-hmm. uh, and that they are productive and helpful as we try to build a, an inclusive community here at the school.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. And I think that when you're talking about um, about new initiatives and changes in the school, one of the things that also comes to my mind is the Director of Digital and Computational Learning and that's also an exciting new program that the school is uh, is put resources into, and I'm I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that role as well. Sure. So we set up the the purse hub for innovation, uh, the FI
1: oh gosh, must be three or four Mm -hmm. years ago now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, out of that, it it was much more than a maker space. It was a space where we could pull students together uh, and really have them think about uh, sort of uh, problem solving in, in the wider society, uh, design thinking, um, and we also had a, a set of computer science courses, but they weren't as fully developed as I think we we really wanted them to be. And I think that what's happened, obviously, with the the digital world is that it, it's not just computer science mm-hmm, anymore. That mm-hmm. the, the an understanding of computation and the digital world it has to be an understanding across the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you j- just think about what's happened with digital humanities, for example, and being able to take a text and really run it through computer programs, it gives you completely different insights into uh, the way that the author is using different themes and different words and different, uh, all sorts of new insights Mm -hmm. come out of that as you really try to delve into this. And so we wanted to do a lot more. We have students who are really interested in uh, computational digital learning, much more than simply coding, the sort of the ethics of Mm -hmm. hacking, for example. Um, There are loads and loads of different ways of of thinking about computation. And so we have um, appointed a new director, They are going to be working through the FI, uh, and I think that what you're going to see is that that's going to become a a really a a new uh, center for innovation on campus. I think that lots of students from across the uh, school are going to be drawn to it and are going to be doing some really interesting work in lots of different disciplines. Mm -hmm. One of the things I like about the centers that we have at the school is it allows for a sort of an interdisciplinary umbrella, if you mm-hmm. like, over the disciplinary work that's going on in each of the different departments. And mm-hmm. it really pulls together students and faculty from multiple different disciplines and has them working together in some interesting and new ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's where you get a lot of sort of interesting insights as mm-hmm. when you get an English faculty member working with uh, somebody who is in the sciences, uh, perhaps it's around um, uh, questions to do with environmental science and mm-hmm. literature, for example, you can get some really interesting conversations coming out of that. And that's what we hope will happen with this new um, initiative.
0: Well, one of the things I think that's clear, even in talking about these uh, these two areas, the two centers, is that Loomis is, is certainly not at rest (laughs) and you know and coming off of the last year and a half in particular and and talking about you know returning to uh quote unquote normal um there really is no kind of returning to the past it really is pushing forward always here to see what's what is next what's coming up how can we take what we've learned over the last year and a half and and kind of push it push it even further and one of the things that I think we're all extremely excited about that is happening that's a very concrete uh, representation of this is the Nickel Center. And uh, one of the big projects that we are really excited about this year. So I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about that as well.
1: Yes, so our new uh, theater and dance uh, facility. I, I think that when you look across the curriculum, uh, we, had, uh, we have wonderful facilities, but where we were sorely lacking was in the theater. The Neo uh, was much loved by many generations of Luma's students, and I think it was actually originally built by uh, Luma's students in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. It may even have, even have been earlier than that. Um, and generations of students have gone through there and have really found a voice and a platform and uh, have learned how to be public speakers mm-hmm. and to perform in front of an audience. And uh, it's a a wonderful, wonderful tradition. But the facility was sadly lacking, Mm -hmm. as you know, because you've Mm -hmm. had um, several children go through that program. (laughs) So It was very exciting uh, to be able, when John Nichols, uh, uh, John and Alexander came forward and said that they would like to uh, support a renovation of this space, and it's more than simply a renovation. It's the renovation of the Neo, uh, which will have more seating, a bigger stage, uh, but also uh, more um, Mm -hmm. behind-the-stage features, uh, a better green room, a better dressing room, that sort of thing. We'll have a black box Mm theatre, and we'll have a dance. Um, studio as well and I think that this will really serve the needs not only of those students who are in the performing arts but also the whole community because so many people uh, love going to those sorts of performances and enjoying them. But uh, to come back to your point about innovation, schools like ours, we they have to be constantly changing. You don't want to jump onto every bandwagon, every idea that comes along and say, okay, we're going to do this now. But you do need to continually ask yourselves, are we relevant? Mm. Are we providing the kind of education that our students need to be able to be successful and to thrive in the world that they will be graduating into? And that does require constantly looking and thinking about what do we need to do more of. So when we thought about the Nichols Center, the um, the, the technology in that center is going to be far above what what we had initially in the neo because our students are wanting to do videos they're mm-hmm. wanting to film themselves they're wanting the, the, the way that they now present themselves to colleges and universities is very different than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago and so our facilities, our programs have to keep up with that need and they have to be, Uh, They they, they have to be where the students need them to be. And we have to be thinking two or three steps ahead all the time Mm -hmm. uh, to do that. So it's exciting.
0: It is. And it reminds me a little bit of um, our, you know, our 10-year master planning process that we've been working on over the course of the last year or so. Yeah, I know. and, um, And just thinking ahead to think about this incredible physical space that the school occupies and how to best use that space. And there's some themes of things that have come out of that process that I think are are completely relevant to this conversation Uh, absolutely Uh, we
1: have a a, a, just a wonderful location we really we're on the confluence of these two rivers the the Farmington and the Connecticut and it's and um, we need to take advantage of that we need to be able to um, sort of use we, we have to steward Mm -hmm. what we have we Mm -hmm. have to make sure it is a very very beautiful campus and we want to protect that Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that future generations are able to uh, enjoy the beauty of being on this physical space Mm -hmm. but we also need to use this environment effectively as a teaching tool Mm -hmm. and one of the things that really came out of the master planning process we do a master plan every 10 years or so Mm -hmm. and it's just it's a good thing to do to sort of assess where you are what the needs what the physical needs of the campus are and how to take advantage of those uh, in the future and one of the things that we really spent a lot of time thinking about is sustainability Mm -hmm. and how do we make this a sustainable campus how do we use the location where we are as an outdoor classroom Uh, what are are we worried about the floodplain are we worried Mm -hmm. about flooding coming from both the, the Farmington and the Connecticut and of course we are we're seeing a greater intensity of storms. And so as we plan for the future, we have to plan to not only protect and steward this space, but also think about the ways in which we can use it to educate our students Mm -hmm. in different ways. And I'm very excited. The Albert Center really headed the sustainability part Mm -hmm. of the master planning process. And they have some great ideas for outdoor classrooms and uh, really using the wetlands that we have around us um, in the classroom or to take students out into those spaces and uh, climate change is real it's happening all around us and our students can benefit from learning uh, what's going on in Mm -hmm. in our local
0: environment. Mm -hmm. And thinking 10 years out you know I I know that you've talked in the past about how there are certain things that came out of the previous 10-year plan that were you know what that you went through before 10 years ago and things that that have had significant impact on the school today whether it's the centers whether it's the Scanlon Center whether it's the purse hub for innovation and so what we're talking about now has the real ability to to impact as you've talked all, all along about the student centered aspect of the experience here and that it's all about what that means looking forward as well so we can talk about kind of general philosophy around education but how do we actually see it playing out something like the campus master plan really shows that that does come to fruition in, in incredibly transformative ways for our students. Uh, absolutely. You,
1: you can't just... Uh, let things unfold without any kind of plan and so the master plan is part of an extensive planning process the the master plan was really to do with the physical campus but we will also uh, be entering into a strategic planning process we are going to be re-accredited we hope we accredited (laughs) but we have to go through an accreditation process with our local accrediting body uh, the NIASC group uh, and all out of all of that planning then comes this sense of well where do we need to do and it's it's answering those questions about relevance where do we need to what, what are our needs what do we need to do to make sure that our education is where it should be for our students how do we make sure that we are really um, serving those students as effectively uh, as well as we can and that requires an intentional planning process Mm -hmm. Uh, and so yes if you look back 10 15 years ago you look back 30 40 years if you talk to John Rattay he will talk about the planning that they went through and at that point 40 years ago when John Rattay was their head they were talking about uh, the need to build more dormitories Mm -hmm. the need to increase our boarding population Mm -hmm. and yes you see that that history come all the way to the present of how that plan was implemented Mm -hmm. and so with the plans that we're talking about now around sustainability uh, around computational digital learning about civil discourse Mm -hmm. all of those will be put into place and will have an impact on the school in the 10 15 Mm -hmm. 20 years into the future but there's a constant sort of reassessment of what are we doing does it make sense? What do we need to change?
0: How do we get better? hmm Well, um, if there's one thing that's been evident from this conversation, it's that, Sheila, you are very busy. <laughs> and you have a, there are a lot of things going on at the school, incredibly exciting things. Um, and we really appreciate your taking the time to sit down today and talk a little bit about your vision for the school and some of the things that are coming up. Any, um, anything in particular that you want to share with the, with our audience before we sign off about things you're excited about with the upcoming year or, um, Oh, listen, um, I am just so thrilled
1: that we are here in person, <laughs> uh, being able to walk around campus to greet students, to talk to students. I am looking forward to the beginning of our athletic contest. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to being able to see students in the, the Nickel Center performing, mm-hmm. um, uh, to see our musicians play, to be able to be here in person. Because uh, schools like ours, we thrive on community. Mm-hmm. We thrive on... Uh, person-to-person interactions. And uh, it's been a wonderful start to the year. It's just been a, a real pleasure to have students and faculty back on campus. And I look forward to a good year.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time today. This is Amy Thompson, and this has been Genuine Admissions. Thanks for listening.